0: This is Generation Education. Join educator Ruth Beynart Mondays at 11am as she explores modern parenting, physical, emotional and social development from pregnancy through adulthood. Mondays at 11am right here on 101.9 High FM. I have with me Candy Kagan and we've been chatting medical aid. We're going to be moving on to chatting about financial planning. And to keep it quite simple, I first want to just say, talk us through what would be a basic good financial plan for everyone. I know we're all different, but just the basics, what should everyone
1: have in place? Okay, so we've covered medical aid, which at the very least, you need the the hospital plan in place. People always think investment when they think financial planning. And that's where the goal is, I've got to invest, I've got to save. But you've also, you know, you insure your car, for example, Mm. and I don't do car insurance, but you would insure your car. (laughs) But we should insure ourselves. You are your biggest income producer. And people rely on you, much the same as you rely on your vehicle. So we insure our car without thinking, but a lot of people don't think to insure themselves. And it's, it's a key cornerstone. Before the investing, the risk element, as we call it, needs to be covered. Um, so I would say a good portfolio has your medical aid, has your um, life cover or disease cover, whichever pertains to where you are in life. And investment side, a retirement annuity is always a good thing um, to have. It. It's unlikely you'll ever retire on retirement annuity unless you are putting away a third of your salary.
0: Right, which no one can But it's can great afford. from
1: a tax point of view as well. Right, exactly. Um, it's great from a tax point of view, and then you fill the gaps with other investments along the way, depending on what your goals and needs are.
0: So it's looking at your life cover and dreaded disease, or a and investment. So let's look at first life cover and dreaded disease. I know I've got a policy for that. And it actually every month when I pay it, it actually irritates me because it is a lot of, of money. Yeah. You know, and when I have actually once I tried to make a claim for something, I can't even remember what, but I was quite sick and I couldn't work. They questioned me and questioned me and questioned me until eventually I just gave up because
1: it was too much
0: effort. Just talk us mm. through
1: this. So look, life cover, we call it the grape spend. Mm. It's something that goes off your account every month and you don't really see anything for it at the end of the day. Who's going to get it? The people left behind. But when you are ill and when you are sick, and I experienced this firsthand during COVID as well, it it's, it's paramount. We had people sick, unable to work, and I mean, my claims were paid and it makes the biggest difference. And then obviously the life cover, when you've got those beneficiaries standing there and they're able to pay for the house over their head and they don't have to worry about certain certain taxes that are coming through, et cetera, it's, it's absolutely essential. Right. But and it what, is, it's a yeah, horrible, horrible grade spend. Mm. What I actually
0: did discover when going through all of this is that the life cover wasn't even actually expensive. It was quite a minimal fee. It was more that direct Correct. to lease and income protection that was so
1: expensive. Why is that? Exactly. Um, Look, I mean, the actuary is obviously funded into your risk. We're all going to die, whether we like it or not. So (laughs) that's there. It's just a case of when. But when it comes to illnesses, you can have more than one illness. You could have more than one disability. And so they've got to factor in, you know, death is death. Mm. But you could get... God forbid, a cancer today and then two years down the line, it comes back or a different one. So that's why it it ends up being more costly because the chances and the the variations are much much higher. And I suppose also they don't want
0: chances and they don't want people to just claim for any willy-nilly thing.
1: Exactly. I mean, we, you do have a lot of that fraud happening in the industry. They do try clamp down on it. So it does seem very arduous and tedious, the questions and the, and the way they go through the process. But they have to make sure that it's a legitimate claim.
0: And then let's talk RAs. I don't know. Someone said to me recently, RAs are old fashioned and there's different ways to do it. Let's chat about that.
1: I'm not sure about different ways to do it but for me the biggest thing with a retirement annuity is the tax rebate. It's money you'd be giving to SARS anyway.
0: Right. So
1: what you get, you get a rebate at your whatever your marginal rate of tax is. You will get that back off whatever you're contributing at the end of the tax year, plus the full investment is still invested for you. So you're winning on both sides. The key trick is that you cannot put more than 27.5% of your, of your salary away into an IRA. Anything above that, you won't get the full rebate, but I'm hard-pressed to find many that are able to put that amount into a retirement (laughs) annuity. But it it brings down your tax liability and you're getting the benefits of the investment at the same time. I would have to find an investment that gave close to a 60% return to give you the same as what you're getting from a retirement annuity when you take the rebate into account.
0: Right. I, I suppose it's almost that old adage of if it sounds too good to be true, then it probably is. I think, yeah, I think RAs are probably your safest option. And as you're saying, it's got that tax rebate, which I am clueless when it comes to all of that. You say the word tax and immediately I've got to actually tell myself, don't wander off and stop listening because I totally don't understand that.
1: (laughs) So when you say text to me, I'll start panicking. So,
0: <laughs> Well, as long as you're not phoning from SARS to say we're reviewing you, <laughs> that's when you panic. <laughs> so RA, it's almost like a form of
1: investment. Would you say that or no? It's definitely, it is an investment, but how retirement community works is your funds are invested to age minimum 55 years. So that's a key thing to know. You're not putting the money away and then calling um, the the life house up and saying, well, I'm 45 and I've been retrenched and I need to access my my benefits. They're going to say, sorry, you can't. The youngest that you can retire from a retirement duty is 55 years. And at that time, you're not going to get the full lump sum, depending on how much is invested. If it's more than 247,500 Rand, you will get a one third maximum, one third lump sum. Up front, which will be taxed at retirement tax tables, and then the balance of the two thirds you have to purchase an annuity which will then with one with a lifehouse of your choice, and that annuity then pays you an income at a selected percentage either monthly or annually, and that income is also taxed okay,
0: so, so that's wait, our so, retirement so team. that's the retirement annuity so um, when you say fifty five is that if someone selects to use it at 55 or is that just the standard that when you start actually using your RA immediately, you get taxed or what you mentioned, you see, I can hear my brain. Can you hear my brain? It's already wandered off.
1: (laughs) So they, they run to a minimum age of 55. So you select retirement age 55. When you take out the contract, you can let it keep going. You can keep going until 70. It depends when you retire. But what I'm saying is you cannot access those funds before the age of 55. And even at 55, it depends how much is in there, what you will be allowed to access.
0: Right. But then what you're saying is once you access it, whether it's at 55 or 70, then they do start charging the tax or the uh, what was it that you mentioned?
1: Yeah. So then they start taking tax off the annuity income because it's seen as an income. So hopefully Uh, you can keep it low enough that you're not taxed on it. Okay. It
0: actually makes sense now to me. (laughs) Okay. So we've spoken RA. We've spoken a dreaded disease and life cover. This is Generation Education. Join educator Ruth Baynott Mondays at 11am as she explores modern parenting, physical, emotional and social development from pregnancy through adulthood. Mondays at 11am right here on 101.9 High FM. And welcome back. You're listening to Generation Education and I'm Ruth Baynott. And this is 101.9 High FM. Let's talk about that dreaded subject, death. What Mm -hmm. does a person need to have in place? Now, we've got all these policies. We've got these RAs and that. But now, in the event of someone dying, how does the loved ones have access to that or know what
1: to look for? How does all of that work? So, I think the first critical step is you need a will. You need a single will. And if you are married with children, you need a joint will. Um, That will address a lot of these issues um, in terms of who's going to be responsible um, for tying up the estate, making sure the beneficiaries get paid, what is actually there. I would keep together with um, the will a schedule of your policies or have someone who knows, you know, you need a, someone you can trust that knows what your, what your portfolio is, where everything is. A lot right. of my older clients, for example, their older children have their policy schedules. They've given it to right. them and say, and with my number and say, if anything happens, you call Candace and she will help you. Right. So then, then I'm the port of call. And, I think a, a will is, it's, it is, it's absolutely critical. There are different mm-hmm. ways you can do a will. So you could go through the banks or institutions. That's one way of doing it. Right. You can go through an attorney or you can do it yourself. Right. The key thing to know when you do it yourself though, is the magistrate will only accept an original will. He will not accept a copy. Okay. So that's where you've got to be careful. Uh, your, whoever you nominate as your executor needs to know where your will is kept because they need to use the original. And that's why the institutions are sometimes favoured or attorneys, because they then keep your will for you as a a separate part of the package that the original is readily available when needed.
0: And it might be a good idea, in fact, to have a file, a specific file that you have all those important documents, like all your um, investment documents and, and your RA and your will, so that they're all together And I think it's important to actually have that discussion with the relevant people. So have that discussion with your children, with your spouse, with whoever you're going to know is going to be there if, God forbid, something
1: happens. It's not a nice discussion, but you're correct. It's critical and it's critical to have all the information available because what is the point of putting this all together if no one knows where to find it when they need it? So it is a critical, it's a morbid, but critical discussion to have.
0: No, absolutely. Absolutely. And then in terms of that, now what happens? The person's passed away. You're now sorting all of that out. How does it work with canceling all of these things or, or stopping all of these things? How does
1: all of that work? So what happens is the beneficiaries will reach out. Um, I hope to their broker. So in this case would be me. Um, I get the call. I get the sad news, which is never, ever nice. Mm-hmm. And then we start the process of the the forms, um, getting the relevant death certificates, the notices, and that automatically will stop the premiums because you've put in a death notice. Right. And and then the the process of getting families paid out. Uh, It will obviously depend on the nature of the death. There might be circumstances that the the life company might need to know more on. Um, And then, yeah, we push to get them paid out as quickly as possible. Um, A lot of my life policies now come with an immediate expenses benefit of up to 50,000 rand. So at least funeral arrangements can be covered in the interim while we settle the full claim. And we go contract by contract and get them paid out. And I had an interesting question this past week from someone who said, um, when I die, what happens to my policies? Because I've got beneficiaries, does it pay to the estate and then the beneficiary? Mm-hmm. Or does it go straight to the beneficiary? I thought that was an interesting question. Very good. It question. will pay. Yeah. These policies will pay to the nominated beneficiary. It will only pay into a bank account in their name, so it cannot go to someone else, and it will it will bypass your estate. But if you have not nominated a beneficiary, then it will fall in your estate, and it will wait until your entire estate is wound up, which can take ages. Even the most minimal estate can take a year or two to wind up. So the situation with, if I'm
0: not mistaken, an RA, where if someone isn't a beneficiary, but they actually apply to the fund to say they were one, that mm. they
1: actually could get paid out. Is, am I correct on that? So where that comes in is with your pension and provident funds as part of a company. You nominate beneficiaries, but it's actually up to the board of trustees to decide because you could leave all your money to the SPCA and you could have three children you're looking after. Right. The, the board of trustees can actually have a look at claims made by any dependents to say they are more worthy of being beneficiaries than the person that was nominated or the institution you've nominated. So in that case, it can go to the board of trustees. So
0: it doesn't necessarily have to be set
1: in stone so to speak yeah and the company funds the trust the the board of trustees can make that final decision if enough of a motivation is made
0: let's just recap everything
1: important things to have medical aid um look i would say life cover is imperative depending on your stage in life the dependence you've got you know some people don't have anyone that depends on them so Mm. you know you then you might need cover to settle a bond etc but I do believe those are the first two pillars you need to look at. Also, we all think, you know, that we're going to get, if we get hit by the bus tomorrow, we die and that's it. But sometimes you get hit by the bus and you don't die, but you cannot work anymore. How are you going to look after yourself? And from what
0: I understand, or I could be wrong, when you have got that cover, the dreaded disease and income protector, it automatically comes with life cover. You can't have
1: them separate. Or am I incorrect? It depends on the life house. Um, some of my life houses require you to have a minimum amount of um, life cover in order to get those benefits. But I've got another company that is quite happy to sell them as standalone. So you could just take out dread disease or just take out disability.
0: Okay, that's interesting to know. Mm. Uh, you know, yeah. just listening to you chatting, it really does make me aware that I do think it's important for everyone to have a broker, to have someone
1: that can guide them. Look, I think it's important. Um, obviously, being one, I would think it's important. Yes. But at the end of the day, what I find is also common, even though my clients have a broker, I send them their anniversary letters, please let's do a review. You know, we all know we have a policy mm. and it's there. You only realize how little is actually in it or the the degree to which you haven't kept up with your lifestyle when you claim. It's to me critical once a year, meet with your financial planner or your broker or your advisor or whoever it is, just to make sure that everything is where it needs to be. Because life changes with quite rapidly. And you don't realize that, oh, we've got I've got a policy. It's there. But you don't actually know what what you covered for or what what benefits need to change.
0: Absolutely. I had for many years with my car insurance, many, many years ago, when I had to give my car in, I think it was an accident or something, and I got a loan car and it didn't come with Econ. And that's because my policy didn't state it. So and I was really upset about that. <laughs> so I go. made sure that my policy actually then had aircon. Anyhow, to cut a long story short, recently when I had a little incident with my car and I had to send it in, and they said they'll give me a loan car. And the first thing I asked is, does it have aircon? And they said, well, all mm-hmm. our cars have aircon. I thought, yeah, actually, I should have been on top of that because nowadays I don't think you get cars without aircon. But oh, I've yeah. actually been paying that extra thirty or forty rand a month, however long. Good. There <laughs> you aircon. go. So it is, and it as is- you say. Check all
1: mm. the time. <laughs> and that's at least a minor thing. You know, it's a car. Yes. When you're talking about your health or your life, it's too late to realize at that time that you didn't have enough or there's something that was missing. And also, regarding investments, I find people tend to say, oh, well, my friend's doing this, so I'm going to do that as well because it worked for her or him or. You can't do you can't do what everyone else is doing. Everyone's profile's unique and different. You need someone to guide you. What's going to be the best product? Everyone's tax is different. The way their their lives are structured is different. So you can't just go with what everyone else says is great right. or this was good or I think it's, it's imperative to get the right advice.
0: And I think with investments, it's also important to know to look at them long term, not to look at it. You get your quarterly statement and it's gone down and you start to panic. It's got to be looked at the bigger picture, especially with COVID sure. and everything that's gone on in the last two years.
1: It's a very valid point. It also depends on your investment term and your goals and what you're doing. But, I mean, I've got clients in retirement annuities that panic. I'm like, but it's a retirement annuity. We've got a long way ahead of us. You know, whereas a shorter term, you might want to look at that. It could be a concern. So you need someone that, that will give you honest feedback, advice, guide you.
0: I've been chatting with Candy Kagan all about, first of all, Discovery Medical Aid, and not that I am here to advertise for them, but it's more so what the need of the community, and what the community has been asking is about how does my medical aid work and specifically how does my Discovery Medical Aid work. And then we've also been chatting about financial planning and making sure you've got the correct stuff in place. Candy, thank you so much for all your invaluable information. Really has been incredible and I've learned so much. Thanks so much Ruth and thanks for the opportunity to be on your show.